Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And welcome to the Landry Football Podcast, the special Thanksgiving week edition. We always join you on a Wednesday. We're joining you a little bit earlier on a Wednesday so we can drop the podcast a little bit earlier since most of you are going to be traveling or getting ready for Thanksgiving. We wanted you to get ready for uh, the start of the, the weekend and give us a chance to talk to you before with um, with regard to the games this weekend. We've got a lot of interesting games we're going to get into. We're, some things that we're going to talk about in the college coaching landscape. Uh, we're going to take your questions inside the chat room. So uh, <clears throat> if you join us and we remind you that you can join us on YouTube, uh, Landry Football, Facebook, Landry Football. Uh, Twitch TV, Chris Landry Football, um, and uh, you can uh, join us in the chat room there, and we'll break it all down for you and take your questions, comments, what have you. Uh, we're really excited to to tell you about our good friends um, at Truebill, and it's a company that I've become very comfortable with, and we want to share some information that we think is going to help you, particularly around the holiday time, you're looking to save money. Uh, this is a great way to kind of protect yourself in the current uh, sales environment that we are in today. So we've got a lot to get to. We're going to go over to the history of football on Thanksgiving, kind of how it has played out over the years. Some of the big games, what started it, um, uh, and so on and so forth. So We've got a lot to get to. Reminder that you can check out all the football breakdowns, the game breakdowns over at LandryFootball.com. Uh, we're going to break them down, kind of the big games this weekend. College and Pro will have that for you, so make sure that you check that out uh, and spread the word of what we got going on at LandryFootball.com. Uh, in the midst of a lot of coaching search work right now, so it's been very, very hectic, juggling you know, uh, nine balls at one time, if you will, and uh, probably not doing as good a job as I'd like to be doing, but uh, but but uh, muddling through it. Really want to thank everyone that takes the time to listen to this show, support this show, support LandryFootball.com, uh, because this is who it's for. This is who we do it for. This is why we do it. Um, and I want to wish you all a blessed and happy Thanksgiving. Um, so whether it's Kev Belargo who's joined us in the chat room or any of anybody else that wants to join us on this busy holiday week uh, or anybody else that's just listening, happy Thanksgiving. Be safe uh, on your travels if you're traveling. 
uh, I will be uh, hunkered down working and watching games and uh, working as this is probably the busiest week of the year for me and that it's a normal week of football, but it's not a normal time frame to get it all in. Um, so it's uh, it's very hectic, but a lot of fun. It's also my favorite uh, holiday of the year because it's football, it's food and, and family. And it, since most of my family has passed on, it's it's a lot of just food and football. And, and the family is um, <clears throat> those of you out there and, and those that I work with in the football business. So it's a fun time of year. So let's get into a few things that are at least on my plate. I have talked about it before and I'll mention it again because I think it is something that uh, we have discussed here, and it's not a I told you so type thing. I don't mean it like that. I hope it doesn't come across like that. But we've mentioned to you for a while that the legitimacy to the James Franklin being a candidate at an LSU or a Florida or USC or any place like that was not really any legitimacy to it. And um, But we are living in a world of perception over reality and we are living in a world of when you can create a perception that you might be a target for other teams one thing I have learned in my time of now doing coaching searches is that administrators are scared to lose one of their own it it's from an optic standpoint looks bad it makes them feel like they haven't done their job, and that's the impression that it gives off, right or wrong. There's also the desire to get the splash hire because the splash hire makes it seem like, well, he did his job. He got the guy that everybody wanted, and if it's not the right fit or it's a bad hire, then he won't get blamed for it. And it's not the way to go about it, but it is the reality. With James Franklin, it was announced, got his – a 10-year extension at Penn State. And listen, I am happy for James, his family, and that's wonderful. Um, from a Penn State standpoint, it is not a good situation at all. It's a guy that's a very average coach at best that has been through public perception, through self-promotion and promotion by his agent, is covered up a lot. If you listen to any talking head, they talk about what a great job he did at Vanderbilt. What he's done a great job. He's a great recruiter. It's amazing. You repeat something, people hear it, and everybody just repeats it as if it's just a given. There's so much misinformation, so much lack of knowledge and understanding of what's truly going on. He's an average coach and has been an average coach for some time at Penn State. And, you know, to me, the chance of Letting him get out the door and hiring a better coach is a much better way to go. But that's not what people want to do. You see it done at Wisconsin and has been done at Wisconsin uh, with Barry Alvarez, who's a football guy who knows how to evaluate and hire right guys and right fits. Look, he doesn't get it right all the time. Gary Anderson didn't work, but the others certainly have. It's a different world. It is a perception world more than reality. I mean, it, it truly is with the 
what's the uh, is it the Kardashians or what have you? Um, you know, it, it, if it's the thing about it is, if you, I, I think it's Kardashians or something. It's the the guy that was OJ's lawyer, like his family. You know, from what I understand is they really don't do a whole lot, but they market themselves and they're multimillionaires. And that's kind of the world we live in. It's social media and the people that just make tons of money on the Internet, really not having a whole lot of skill. It's it's crept into the world of football where the perception of a guy being really good um, and is a candidate for this job and that job. That's kind of the, the way it's done. And it's it's way to the advantage of the agent that says, you know, he's representing a large number of candidates. And what does the media do? We live in a world today that there's a job that comes open immediately. Let me tell you about the job and let me tell you who the candidates are. That's what the media wants to do. And they have no clue. And so they get information. They're not going to get it from the school. They get it from agents. So names are floated out. Names are put out there. And you get stuff, the buddy-buddy system, where all of a sudden, a name gets out there. Sometimes it's this guy is the favorite, the guy to feed, and the odds on. And a lot of it is basically to stoke the interests of maybe another program. There may not be legitimate interests by school A in a candidate number one. But if school B thinks there is... It may make them more attractive. What's the old saying that uh, uh, if a ordinary looking guy has a beautiful, gorgeous woman on his arms, he's suddenly more attractive to other women. It's like he's, okay, what are we missing? I, You know, there's something. That's kind of the world we live in in coaching. And a lot of administrators get fooled on this. And I think that's the case with James. Um I think with James, they would have been much better off of, look, letting him go um, or certainly not extending him. And and I think, at least for me, there's probably 25 guys that would have hired that I think would do as good or better. That's not the hill that these administrators want to die on because they are afraid of the public backlash of losing a guy or not getting a sexy enough guy. And sometimes we don't give coaches enough of a chance to prove themselves or not so that um, that will often lead to a quick trigger to move on from a guy and therefore deemed as a failure hire by the athletic director. It's pure job security and it's pure lack of understanding by the administrator who's not a football guy is more of a marketing, more of a business person. So it's, it's something that I think is um, the, the norm. Now what I add into Kev Belargo says, Chris, she explained how Mel Tucker increased his contract extension to me in a year, even though Michigan state is working uh, with an incomplete data set. If you were in charge of this process at Michigan, State, how would you have handled the situation? Well, first of all, I think Mel's a good coach, and I think he's done a good job. Um, I think the fact that it is, as you put it, an incomplete data set, he's been there short term. I would, you know, it's, it's tough to do. 
it's tough to do because your admit your boosters that are again. Let's take Michigan State. We love Mel. He's doing great. Give him the money. We're going to put that. It's not even your money you're having to deal with. You're getting outside money. So you administrators, A, they're not spending even their own institution's money in some of these cases. Um, It's also uh, fear that an administrator will – you know, ha- getting crosshairs of a booster and crossways with him to where he can't get the financial funding and support because these big boosters become pseudo owner types. So it is very difficult. I think what you do is if you, for example, like Mel Tucker, you think he's. How would I have handled it, Kevin asked. Very simply. I like Mel. think he's a good coach. He's got a good contract. What I would do is I would take the contract, I'd look at it, and I would make an offer to increase it a little bit and maybe put some stipulations in there and maybe help with staff and do things. Depends on what the contract is. So whatever the contract is, In this case, I would have increased it a little bit, and I would have said, this is the deal, and we're going to make this offer, and you got, you know, a a week to get it done to the agent. So that way, if the agent is going to work the leverage part, he's going to do it. But if you put a timetable on it, and you're willing to say, look, if you know, the agent says, well, we're going to hold on. Okay, fine. You know, you, you begin preparing to hire your next coach. Just like you would prepare to hire your next coach if you were getting ready to fire one, you need to be prepared to hire one if someone takes them away. I'm not going to give a guy that amount of money and guarantee it for someone that's not proven. I, it, it It's just foolhardy. But a a lot of times, I don't think the administrators want to do it. I think they do it because they feel like they have to. They're going to lose the support of their booster that's willing to put up the money himself. But I I just simply wouldn't do it. I would call the bluff because Mel was not going to get the LSU job. And in the end, you've made a good faith offer to increase it a little bit, reward him, but not for example, not extend it, not not say, hey, look, we're going to add more years. No, you got a deal. We'll we'll look at this, and we'll, we'll give them a little bit more. We'll even throw in a bonus. There are different creative ways to do it. Reward them for it, but also basically say, we'll certainly look at this down the road. If we can have a repeat performance of a net, two more years of this, then absolutely we'll, we'll go at that level that you'd like me to go now. But I'm not doing it right now. And if that means that, He's got a better offer for more money. We understand and we wish him well. Uh, let that sink in. Uh, but nobody has the, the balls to do that because they're scared. They're scared that they're going to go. Let the guy go to another school. It makes you look bad as an administrator. You get your boosters that are pissed off at you. And you fear 
that you can't hire a suitable replacement. So it's, you know, that's, that's something else. It's kind of like, it's different, but it's kind of like um, a situation where you have a player, like in the NFL. You like a player, you think he's worth X. If somebody's willing to pay more, you tell the agent, look, we love him, we like to have him, this is what we can pay. Um, if you can get more, we understand. It, it, you know, come back to us, you know, before, and we'll look at it again. But you kind of set the stages. I would do the same thing with a coach. Look, love Mel. Think he's really good. Uh, what he's done thus far has been outstanding. Look what he's done in terms of the transfer. Everything is good. But look, you know, we're not going to have a situation where, um, I, I mentioned this um, earlier today in another show, that uh, Tom Allen was the apple of everybody's eye last year. I mean, can you imagine if, you know, and Tom Allen's a good coach at Indiana. It, it's, you know, it's not as bad as it is this year, but the point is, um, Jeff Brom at Purdue. He had the same contract average per year as Jimbo Fisher until Jimbo got his new deal over the summer. You you jump on that, and, and sometimes it works out, but a lot of time it doesn't, and then you have to walk away with that. And to me, that's malpractice, but it's the easy way out, and it's a lazy way out, and it's a they-scared approach. Uh, Kevin says, uh, do you think Oklahoma's offense will be in better shape if Spencer Matt or remains the starter and have a decent amount of install packages for Caleb Williams? Um, no, I think they feel more they feel more comfortable with Caleb Williams, and I'm going to go with that. Um, I don't know what's going on with Spencer, and I think that the fact that he's not playing as much as as we thought has a lot to do with maybe his head's not in it, maybe he's half way out the door. I think that has a lot to do with it. I'd like to have two quarterbacks I can turn turn to and prepare both, but Caleb gives them a little bit more, and this is a team that probably needs a little bit more dynamics in the run game, and Caleb can do that. Bob, um, great having Bob with us. Bob's a good friend. Um, he's a Penn State fan, moved down to Florida, and he says, what do you feel is the maximum length of any college football coaching contract should be? Well, <clears throat> I think that depends, Bob. I mean, in a situation where I was dealing with um, I would just Mel talk about it. I mean, I'm I'm comfortable with five. I'm comfortable with five, even with a rollover. Um, I'm five with a with an option. I think ten's very risky, unless you're dealing with somebody that's absolutely proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. Uh, and I don't really know that I would do that with anybody. With, with the, let's just say Georgia does that. Okay, makes sense, right? Kirby Smart, 10-year deal, Georgia. He doesn't want to go anywhere, lock him up. Well, the problem is if you don't have – if you have a law, for whatever reason, you're stuck. Now, I don't expect that to be with Kirby, but I'm using Kirby because he's kind of the – outside of Nick Saban, the gold standard. Look, 10-year deals for Nick Saban are at this stage are are not – on the table for discussion, but you know, five years ago, eight years ago, 10 years for Nick Saban makes some sense. But then again, you want to have some options. You want to have some outs with that because 
it's all in the favor of the coach because if the coach is really good, uh, here's the thing about it. There are ways you can get out of it. These, it's not so much the length, but a coach can pick up and leave any time that they want to because the, the elite ones eliminate the buyout if they leave. So all the, the issues are with the school. You're going to fire them. Well, guess what? Good luck paying that off at Penn State. If in three now, if you look at the contract, and Bob, I, I want to see the contract, not just what's reported. What I understand and what I'm hearing is that the buyout goes down. So it's but if it is guaranteed eighty million, that's a lot of money. Now, how much is it goes down, how much you can get? I want to see the contract. Because if you're old, let's just forget about that contract for a second. Let's just say if you're guaranteeing the full length of the contract, that's one hell of a risk. You don't know what's gonna happen. You just don't know. Um, but, no, I, I probably wouldn't go more than five or six years. Uh, I really wouldn't, uh, it, other than just special circumstances. Happy Thanksgiving, Jeff. Chris, what does Mickey Loomis need to do to figure out the quarterback situation for the Saints draft for free agency? Well, draft is where you have to look at it. But free agency is an option, potentially. It's an unusual year. Is Aaron Rodgers going to be on the market? Normally, quarterbacks in free agency, they're not available. Now, the Saints are the Drew Brees example of, hey, one that did work. Could lightning strike twice? Well, this Aaron Rodgers situation this last offseason, this last summer, uh, opened up that as a possibility. So you've got to look at both to answer your question and see where it goes. But you got to be prepared for both. Brandon says, just tuning in, have you discussed uh, Florida and Napier yet? I haven't. We'll discuss it right now. Here's my thoughts on it. Um, ironically, I just had someone leave my office um, that is, um, well, he's very close to Billy uh, Napier. Uh, he's lives in the neighborhood with him, and it's a family member of mine. I'll just leave it at that. Um, but I'm not here to discuss like that or what he said, because they don't don't have a lot of discussions on that those sorts of things anyway. But it's interesting that you mention him, because we did discuss a little bit about Billy's situation. Here's my thoughts. is Billy is a very good young coach. Um, there is a a false narrative that he turned down South Carolina and Auburn. He did not. Uh, I know not from who I got sources. I was involved in it. I tried to help him in the South Carolina one. The, the Auburn one never even got to that point. That was never really something that was there. Um, Virginia Tech, I think, has some level of interest. Um but let me explain how this is, and it relates to Florida. I don't think he's Florida's number one choice. In fact, um, I'm pretty sure he's not because I'm pretty sure I know who Florida would like to have ideally. I don't know if they're going to get him, and I'm kind of thinking that they're probably not. 
whether that's Billy on the second or third, I don't know. Why is Billy's name out there? His agent. It's the same agent. We just talked about Mel Tucker, Jimmy Sexton. Love Jimmy. I've known Jimmy for 20-something years. But he kind of controls a lot of this. So by having – Billy wants the LSU job. Okay. That's not where LSU's thinking right now. It might be. So the way you make this play out is you really put that Virginia Tech's interested, that Florida's interested. What does that do? Okay, think about it for a second. Okay, okay, well, wait a minute. You're, you know, if you're LSU, Florida might be interested. We already had the, the people in the media writing, oh, LSU better get him before Florida gets him. LSU better get him before Virginia. It's just all these people are interested. You better go get him. It's, it's the perception of they're all interested. Well, I think to some degree there's a legitimacy to that. It's not a Mel Tucker was a person of interest at LSU. The president, William Tate, the new president at LSU, absolutely was in love with Mel Tucker. But that's not who Scott Woodard want, and so that wasn't going to work out. So when it came time to play the leverage game, Jimmy got is got it as high as he could, and then he got the deal done. In this case, Jimmy's trying to create that market for Billy. There is a legitimate market. He's a good young coach. He's young. He's got the pedigree. He's worked at two programs, Clemson and Alabama, that's had great success, and he's a good coach, and he's done a really good job at ULL. He's got a lot of the things you look for. Is he the number one choice at Florida or LSU? No, he's not. But where is he on that list? And do I think there's a chance that Billy is going to get one of those three jobs? I do, because I think it is a numbers game. Those of you that are in sales, it's numbers game, right? You just keep trying the numbers. I think there'll be three and maybe more. Remember, people said he was going to get the TCU job. He was in for the TCU job. But that TCU job was always going um, to Sonny Dykes. But if his name gets mentioned, well, you see TCU's interest, see Virginia Tech's interest, Florida's interest, this is all not a rules. I'm not saying that it's not viable and that it wouldn't be a good choice, but that's what's going on. I don't think the whole, well, they've met with them and they're trying to get a deal and get it. I, I think those processes are ongoing for Florida, to answer your question. And, um, I think they could end up turning to Billy if their first choice and maybe even their second choice says no, although I think they have a a pretty good feel that one of those is not, not going to even go very far. One will probably go pretty far, and we'll see if they can finish that deal. This is going to happen real quickly. This could happen really quickly. Now, I think it could happen as uh, quickly as this week. Uh, as it relates to Billy's playing in the conference championship game, stuff may break on him this week, but more likely to happen after. Well, both sides, whatever it is, would like to to announce it after the conference championship game, but it may, but it may leak this coming week. We'll see. Um, 
Kev Belargo says, as I watched Monday night's game, I think it was that the Giants defense was out. Man, lo and behold, they fired Jason Garrett the next day. What gives? I think that's not due to the game, although I don't think they had a really good offensive game plan. I think, Kev, what happened there is a byproduct of where I think this was headed for a little while now with Jason, and I think this was just the final straw. Greg, uh, hey, Greg, uh, happy Thanksgiving to you. Question is, say, two-loss Alabama has no business in the playoff, even if Georgia wins 3-0 and in the SEC title game. Bama doesn't deserve a playoff spot. I don't think this year's Alabama's team is, is not as good as we've seen in previous years. What's the point of a team like Cincinnati going undefeated if they have zero shot at the playoffs? I get the SEC is a better league, but that doesn't mean we should reward losses instead of undefeated teams, should we? I think the issue is who are the four best teams and crossing that with who are the four most deserving. Um, I think probably the committee will see it the same way um, that a two loss Alabama probably won't. Uh, I have mentioned that several times because I think there is a possibility as we get down to the stretch, you know, there's a possibility that two loss teams come into play. Alabama could lose. Cincinnati could lose one. Michigan, I think, is going to lose this week. I mean, we could see the Big 12 have to – I mean, so I, I think we have to look through the prism of what else could happen. Um, if you're looking at the four best teams, I think Alabama uh, would match up very well to Cincinnati. Does that mean they're more deserving or less deserving? Not necessarily, and it's part of the reason why – uh, a lot of people would like to see it. And, and look, there's a lot of Alabama fatigue, a lot of Alabama hate. They've been there before. They're not as good. You mentioned they're not as good this year as last year's teams. That's true. They don't need to be. They're not playing Alabama of last year. All they need to be is one of the four best this year. Are they one of the four best this year? Well, the answer may be no. It may be yes. It may be no. That's the only thing that matters. So the premise of, well, they are not as good as last year or previous year's Alabama teams well, who cares? It's You're not placing an all-time playoffs. It's the four best this year. So who is the four best this year is the only thing to me that matters. And to this point, I think it's still up in the air. Um, and I do think that Alabama doesn't look like right now that they're nearly as good. I put them ahead of Cincinnati and behind Ohio State in the who looks better on film but that doesn't mean that I, you know, would knock them out. And look, I don't know that they need to beat out Cincinnati. I think there's a possibility they could get in with Cincinnati or someone else like Notre Dame or Oklahoma State could get in with Cincinnati. Look, the issue with unbeaten teams is I think this Cincinnati team is really good. And I think they're a little more deserving than, say, UCF that went unbeaten. But you can't look at record and just go off of that. You have to look at, in my opinion, the quality of opponents. So I think that's important. Hey, um, I want to step away for a second and um, talk to you about a little bit of history of Thanksgiving Day football and go down memory lane. But first, I want to tell you about good friends at Truebill. Do you know why free trial renewals uh, happen without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. 
download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple to do so. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Simple as that. No standing in line on the phone, figuratively, and waiting to cancel. Just one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions. So you don't have to. I love Truebill. They've saved me lots of money. I use Truebill, and you should too. They have over 2 million users now, and they've helped save over $100 million. Um, it's like Matt B. who said, wrote in and said, in a matter of seconds, I saved $660 for the year on my DirecTV bill, save $120 on my SiriusXM bill, and save $840 on my car insurance bill. Look, it's is your ex still using your Netflix account? Do you really need all those streaming services now that you're back in the office? Uh, you'll never guess how much subscription companies charge you every month. On average, nearly $200. Make your subscriptions, submit them with Truebill, and control it better. Do you have an idea how many subscriptions you have? Maybe you unknowingly pay for each month. You probably don't know don't uh, want to know the answer. So why not skip the part where you use Truebill and identify where you can stop spending and start saving? They'll find it out for you. They'll help you with it. Very simple. Check them out today. Don't fall for subscription scams. Stop canceling today at Truebill.com slash Landry, L-A-N-D-R-Y. Go right now. Truebill.com slash Landry. It could save you thousands a year. Do me a favor. Just go there, check it out, get the information, download what I said, see if they can help you. If you don't have anything that can't help you, no problem. Don't have to go any further, but you might be surprised. Might help you. It's my little tip of the day, particularly as we get towards the holiday season. Save up a few bucks uh, as you have Christmas gifts and all. So start canceling today at truebill.com slash L-A-N-D-R-Y, all caps. Go right now, truebill.com slash Landry. It could save you thousands a year. So as we've got Thanksgiving weekend, we're going to get into some of the games. But I wanted to take you back and kind of stroke your memories. I know we've got an eclectic audience of different age groups and age brackets. I'm curious to see which games may jump out to you as some of the biggest games that you've ever experienced on Thanksgiving, on TV, maybe in person. Thanksgiving games go back years and years. Um, you know, the Lions and the Cowboys became permanent Thanksgiving Day features in the mid-60s, but it was the Lions that really started it. And here's why. The commissioner at the time, Burt Bell, wanted to basically have uh, an NFL game on Thanksgiving Day, and nobody, no owner wanted to do it. People are not going to come to those games. They're at home having dinner with their families. Nobody's going to watch it. It's just, 
nobody wanted to do it. Mr. Ford, William Clay Ford, said, look, if you want to do it, we'll we'll do it. And, of course, they had games. The first one was 1934, the Lions. So the Lions basically took one for the league. They were the guinea pig. They were risking the money. Mr. Ford had a lot of money. Some of the owners were reluctant to do it. The money wasn't as free-flowing as it is today. And so they did it, and lo and behold, it was a big hit. Now, people eating their, either eating their lunchtime meal or their evening meal getting prepared, and they're watching football. And they're loving it. So much so that Tex Ram of the Cowboys, who didn't want to do it initially, saw that the Lions were having success and said, hey, hey, we want in. So it became a fixture to have the Lions and the Cowboys come in. So I just mentioned that to you because, like everyone, and I completely understand it, people say, oh, my God, we got to watch the Lions every Thanksgiving. Why do we need to do that? There's your reason. There's your story. There's a loyalty by the league back to the Ford family that says, look, you were there. I mean, it's those people, were all they're all dead now. But they were the organization that said we want to have a game on thanksgiving and they jumped and they did it um it was you know just a way to pay back their loyalty so that's kind of how it played out um i talk a little bit about colleges first um the 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 best game that I remember was on Thanksgiving day is the game of the century. And it's one of the best games I've ever seen, but not a lot of people remember that it was uh, on Thanksgiving. Uh, And it was Nebraska, Oklahoma, 35, 31. Um, It was billed as a game of the century. Nebraska was ranked number one on their way to the second straight title. Sooners were number two. They finished this even, uh, you know, they averaged Oklahoma over like 470 yards rushing per game, running their wishbone. You had Johnny Rogers, who was the Heisman favorite. Everyone sees the highlight of Johnny Rogers running back the punt. Uh, people think that maybe didn't watch it, that that was like the game-winning touchdown, and it wasn't. It was the – it basically – Early in the game in the first quarter, it's a 72-yard punt return. And at the time, Nebraska jumped out to a 14-3 lead. Jack Mildren kind of led um, the Sooners back. They rushed for a touchdown pass for another. And then it was um, – they were leading 17-14 at halftime. Then Nebraska went ahead 28-17. And the Sooners b- bounced back, took a 31-28 lead. Uh, with a minute left, Nebraska put together a dramatic late drive, and Jeff Kinney ran into the end zone for a winning score with two minutes to go. Uh, so it was a great game. It was one of those great games, and um, it was a really, really a great one. Uh, there was uh, another game um, that day that people may not remember. Um, it was, um, you know, in the shadows of Nebraska, Oklahoma, but it was the old-fashioned hate game. Clean old-fashioned hate. You know what that is, right? That's Georgia, Georgia Tech, and it was 28-24. Um, Georgia was 9-1, ranked in the top 10 on its way to the Gator Bowl. Tech was 6-4, and four, and but they were good enough to where the records didn't matter. Georgia quarterback Andy Johnson and um, 
you know, got injured, picked himself off the canvas, and they they stopped Georgia Tech, drove down late in the game, and Johnson ran in for a winning uh, touchdown to 129 left. So that was that was huge. Um, I grew up on a regular basis. The game that was synonymous with Thanksgiving in college was Texas, Texas A&M. The old Southwest Conference days. Uh, and there's been a lot of good ones, but they haven't done it for a while. And really, the, the 2011 game was the last one, the 27-24. 27-25, I believe it was, Texas over Texas A&M. It's the last annual matchup because of the departure to the Southeastern Conference. But that was a big one. And then in the recent history, and I give a lot of credit to the schools and the, the conference for doing this, since a lot of the schools maybe don't want to play on Thanksgiving. Um, Mississippi State in Ole Miss, the Egg Bowl, has made that game a national look-see. And if you think about it, that's a game that on rivalry weekend is going to be down the path a little bit in terms of where people are going to watch. But who's not going to watch that thing on Thanksgiving night? It's been great. i tell you another one, one game that I remember a lot. Um, there's a good one. Um, you know, uh, Utah and BYU's played a few. They had one back in the late 50s that um, uh, Utah and BYU, they've they played over time. So that's, that's one of them that um, – is uh, uh you know real interesting overall um i'd like to see texas texas a&m come back it, when texas gets in the sec that ought to be I, I think college football should challenge a little bit more on thanksgiving day i think we should have when we're watching the lions and the bears i'd like to see a triple header college you know matchup go up head-to-head with the NFL. I think people can watch with multiple devices now. But Virginia Tech, Virginia's played 56 meetings on Thanksgiving. Texas, Texas A&M has played 54. Utah State, Utah played 36. Um, Pitt, Penn State, I see a good friend, Bob. You know, so that used to be when now they – I remember they played 33 times on Thanksgiving. But what happened with college is – a lot of them became like it's it was almost like Thanksgiving Friday became the game. And I remember a lot of Pitt Penn State games most recently when they were still pre Big Ten for Penn State and Pitt were both were independent. And I remember some really good Pitt Penn State games. Those are some great games. I like those a lot. Um, Missouri, Kansas, 32 times they've played. That's a that's an old, old rivalry, old big eight days. But um, you know that that's uh, some of those, and but some of those are not not um, you know there anymore. I mean, you go back um, old old time. Vanderbilt used to play Swanee on Thanksgiving, and they used to beat the hell out of Swanee. Vanderbilt was a power um, back in the day. Um, Lafayette Lehigh played a few times. I know they played Dickinson College quite a bit in the old Pennsylvania days. Um, you know, a lot of those, uh, games, Washington and Lee and NC state back a long time ago, a lot of, a lot of those games that take place, a lot of Thanksgiving day football goes to, um, the high school ranks, um, what's happened, you know, and, 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 and certainly went up to college, 
you had a lot of the Northeast game, Princeton and Rutgers, um, you know, uh, were, were, were a big part of that. Um, those were kind of the old, the old school, old time games that were a big part. As uh, we got into the NFL, um, when we started really in the 60s, where that was a big thing on TV, uh, because really the advent of, of TV and in the NFL was the late 50s and the Colts-Giants championship game. But I can remember in 63, the Lions uh, tying Green Bay, knocking the Packers out of the West title, giving it to Chicago. Um, in 65, uh, Johnny Unitas and the Colts um, uh, played the Lions and in a really good one. The Lions were really good back then. Uh, I remember in 76, O.J. Simpson just – he had 275 rushing yards, I think it was, two touchdowns um, against the Lions. Um, I, I remember uh, Gary Morangi was the was was struggled in the game, and it was like four for 21, and it was OJ left, OJ right behind the electric company, and just running, running crazy. Uh, I remember one of the real neat games was 1980, the Bears Lions, which we've got this week. Vince Evans was outstanding. He accounted for two touchdowns. The Bears scored 14 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. They were down 17-3, and the Chicago started their comeback with a with a, a touchdown pass from um, from uh, Evans to Bob Fisher, uh, and then they uh, the game went into overtime. And the opening kick of the overtime, the Bears ran it back. That's that came up with the 23-7 overtime game. Uh, you probably remember in 83, um, um, the Steelers played the Lions and the Steelers were getting old and Chuck Knoll was, you know, teams that were really great started to get old and it was pre-free agency, but they were uh, battered by the Lions offense. The Lions had five touchdowns. Robbie Martin had a punt return for a touchdown. Eric Hipple tossed two touchdown pass. Billy Sims ran for over 100 yards. Ulysses Norris had a really, really good game there. And uh, I think it was like 97, Barry Sanders was unbelievable in a, in a performance. Um, uh, in, in, um, and I remember him. You know, making people miss left and right. Uh, it was uh, a, a great game against the Bears um, as well. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, oh, if you remember, 98 was the the Phil Luckett game when it was um, Jerome Bettis called, was it tails in his head or hit with the, whatever, you know. So for the Cowboys, um, the first Thanksgiving game, I can remember it was, I think it was 1966. It was 14-13 at halftime. Uh, but um, the kicker they had, Danny Villaneva at the time, hit four field goals down the stretch, and the Cowboys put the game away. Uh, Don Perkins, Don Meredith, um, they beat the Browns that day. Uh, 74, this was really interesting. Uh, it was one of the more f- famous games. Cowboys and the Redskins. Great rivalry, we know. That was a really fierce rivalry back then. Cowboys were playing Washington. It was the second time in three games. Schedule quirk, because obviously you play your division opponents twice. And the, um, it, and they, they beat the Cowboys in the first one, 28-21. And Redskins linebacker Darren Talbert said, um, 
we're going to knock Roger Staubach out of the game. You imagine that you had that type of talk. Now they'd be, oh, my goodness, and it's suspension. And, but that's what he said. Well, sure enough, they knocked Roger Staubach out of the game. They knocked him woozy in the game. Um, and Clint Longley comes in. And it was just one for the ages. Clint Longley didn't do anything before, didn't do anything since in the NFL. The Redskins were up 16-3 to in the third quarter. Longley led the Cowboys to three second-half touchdowns. Um, and he was called the Mad Bomber nickname. And uh, it was just one of those things. Never did anything after that. It was just one of the, you know, great, great, stories. Uh, you might remember in 94, in, um, they had had a sleet storm with a lot of ice and some, some enough sticky snow to have that cold weather, and it was 32 degrees. Remember, the Cowboys get the late um, afternoon game, so they're playing at Texas Stadium where you got a lot of shade, which, you know, and when it's 32 degrees and you got no sun and they didn't have much sun anyway, it was tough. Well, the Cowboys were leading 14-13. It was 15 seconds left. And then Miami's uh, Pete Storjanovic lining up for a 41-yard field goal is blocked by Jimmy Jones. And the ball spinning on the icy field. You've all seen this. And then Leon Lett, the backup on special teams. Uh, he's now the defensive line coach for them. But he thought he had to cover the loose ball. And he slid into it. And, of course, the like the grease pig in that cold weather. And it's a live ball. And the Dolphins are covered, not knowing the rules. Now, Stonovich hits from 19 yards out uh, as the clock expired. Dolphins 16-14. It was one of the more infamous games. And then Leon Lett was the guy, if you remember, in the Super Bowl, Prior to this, he's running back a fumble, and and he gets the ball knocked out of his hands before he crosses the goal line. So it was like, ah, Leon let again. So those are some games um, that that jump out at me. Um, you know that uh, that I think were a lot of fun. Peyton Manning had six touchdowns against the Lions one time. Um, so uh, you know it was. Um, you know, some of those memories I think are a lot of fun. I, I think that, um, that Thanksgiving is, you know, from a holiday standpoint, um, I, you know, it, 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 you've got the end of the college season, it's towards the end of the NFL season. And I think it's, it's just a lot of fun. And it, and, and it leads to the penultimate weekend of, of college football. I remember too, Denver and Dallas, had an overtime thriller in 2005. Uh, oh, I tell you one that I remember. Uh, 1982, Lawrence Taylor making an interception on the goal line and running it back 99 yards and seeing that big guy just run um, it was something. Um, don't you remember, too, a few years ago? It was Now, here's the other thing that happened. So the NFL, when people started to say, we want to be on Thanksgiving more, and to the NFL's credit, they said, you know what? We're not taking it away from the Lions, but we're going to create a Thursday night Thanksgiving night game. And so we had, now we've got a Lions game, a Cowboys game, and then a whatever game we selected. And it's been, been interesting and good games. 
you can remember um, remember Mike Tomlin. Uh, they're playing uh, the Ravens, and he 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 inadvertently runs on the field and inter- almost interferes with the kick return guy. Um, you know, a lot of things I remember. Um, Andre Johnson had the big game for the Texans the one year, and Dama Kinsu got ejected, stepping on. Um, I think it was Aaron Rodgers. A lot of things have happened on Thanksgiving. So anyway, thank you for indulging me on that. Let's get your some of your thoughts on there. Um, Jeff says, um, do you do you see Zach Arnett leaving Mississippi State this year for head coaching job? Jeff, none of the jobs that are open, no. But um, the domino effect with some other jobs opening up, that's definitely a possibility. Um, Bob says, uh, I was in high school, Nebraska, almost 71. Johnny Rogers, Dak Milburn. Yes, Greg Pruitt, Johnny. We did, yeah, that's the one we talked about. Bob remembers that. Um, and Kev says, my favorite Thanksgiving was the 1998 Vikings Cowboys. Oh, yes. Um, thank you, Kev. I, I, it just slipped my mind. Randy Moss just absolutely killing the Cowboys. What a big-time game that was. Good, Good call there. Yes, I remember that vividly. And Jeff, of course, a uh, Mississippi State feds, the Egg Bowl is the best game in Thanksgiving, no doubt about that, Chris. Yeah, and look, again, I credit to them. Uh, I'd like to see the keep the Egg Bowl on, and I'd like to eventually put Texas, um, Texas A&M, because that's an old tradition. And those schools actually don't – they hate each other so much, they don't even want to play each other. They're going to have to um, soon. But I'd like, I'd like to force that, and then – there are other ones that I'd like to see maybe in another league that would play on Thanksgiving. Again, I'd love to see triple header. I don't know what you think. I, you know, as someone that watches multiple games, uh, I feel a little bit like lonely and bored only watching one game at a time. And then Greg says the 1993 Cowboys, uh, Dolphins in the snow, Leon Lett. You, you got it, Greg. Yeah, we were just winning that. The coin toss that the refs got wrong, Steelers line. It was, yeah, yeah, Phil Luckett messed that up. That was interesting. So what do we think about this week's game? We've got the Egg Bowl. I don't know that this may not be the most intriguing game of the weekend in that I think both of these teams are good. And a lot's at stake. A lot's at stake for Ole Miss, um, you know, with a with a really good record. And for Mississippi State, same thing. It's a better bowl. It's a – and, man, it's, it's a lot. Um, you better understand, Jeff understands that anybody understands rivalry games. Beating your rival is big. Um, we've talked a little bit about it on the SEC show yesterday that, you know, Lane Kiffin is trying to capitalize on a big season. You don't turn around and, and go 10-2 and two every year at Ole Miss. I think striking while the iron is hot is something that he wants to finish strong. I mean, from an ugly broken leg in the game, which – was enough to turn your stomach if you were eating a turkey sandwich watching that. Or the the game a couple of years ago that was the peeing game, the fake pee Elijah Moore thing, and what a turnaround for him. But it literally just spurred the movement to basically get two coaches fired. You got a lot of things that have that have come into it. I remember the game where the wind was so bad that Mississippi State's lining up to kick the ball to beat them. And, I mean, it literally is going between the uprights. And before it get, the wind just gusted and it comes back into the field of play, 
a uh, lot of things have happened. Now, I think that the Egg Bowl has gotten a lot more notoriety nationally since it's, you know, gone to the ESPN game again. It's down the list. It's just one of many that, you know, if, if you're a Clemson fan, you're going to you're going to watch Clemson, South Carolina on Saturday, and you're not going to watch Ole Miss or Mississippi State. But on Thanksgiving night, when there's no other college game, you're going to watch it. That's an intriguing game. I've said it before. I think it's going to come down to defensively who can create some turnovers, get a few extra stops. The team with the most offensive possessions are going to get a great chance to win it. Um, I'm going to break down all the games. I'm going to have it over at LandryFootball.com. But the other games that are maybe most intriguing, I'm excited. Uh, I'm going to go in chronological order. So it's that one. That's the first one Thursday night. Friday, the Apple Cup, Washington State, Washington. Been to a few of those. Um, been in, speaking of snow, been into a few snow games there. The year that Drew Bledsoe came out. What a driving through Montana to get to that game was a, uh, I still uh, wake up thinking about that at times. What, what a, what a, what a, uh, a, uh, <laughs> what a story that was. Um, that's an interesting game. Washington State, Oregon State, still in the pitcher in the north. Um, that's going to be interesting to me. Saturday, of course, Ohio State, Michigan. Curious to see how competitive Michigan can make it. I don't think an upset is in the cards, but possibly. Uh, and, and I think that Ohio State, Michigan is, I don't know, the, the, the best rivalries are, you know, the you know, the, the ones that are the most important to you. Uh, this one's, this one's so unique. So good. That's what make rivalries great. The iron bowl, Alabama, Auburn. I don't know how good of a game. Maybe it will be, maybe it won't, but it's certainly something that's high on my radar screen. Oregon state, Oregon. They, they don't call it the civil war anymore. I still do. Um, that one is interesting, but you know what? The one that may have the most impact is bedlam. Can Oklahoma state, get it done against Oklahoma. It is not something that uh, Mike Gundy's had success, um, not as much success against the Sooners. I think they got the better team here. How's that going to play out? On the NFL side, Bears-Lions, because I think this might be the Lions' first win, are certainly the best chance. The Raiders are floundering. Cowboys need to get back on track, and they are a legitimate this is a game that they need to win. I mean, it really gives them like a mini buy if you win here, and they need to stay near the top of the NFC standings. Bills Saints, um, big for both of these teams as Bills are got the Patriots have caught them. Saints got some work to do. Sunday, Steelers Bengals, uh, Bucks Colts, Titans Patriots, Rams Packers, Vikings Niners. And then Browns-Ravens on Sunday night. Lots of big games. Uh, all of them are big to some degree, of course. But those are the highlight games that I see that uh, I'm excited about. So, um, see the culture playing good ball. Uh, the Bucks they starting to make a little bit of a turn here. Um, the Titans, I fear that maybe without Derrick Henry, the running game is not going to be as good. The Patriots defense is playing as good as anybody right now. Rams, Packers, Packers, really good team, but they're banged up right now. 
And I say that the probably the most important thing that we determine in the NFL is the health of the team from Thanksgiving on. It's going to determine an awful lot. The Niners are starting to play better running the football, but the Vikings have really caught a lot of steam. So, And then Browns-Ravens, um, it's not only a division game, but says a lot about both of these teams. And the Ravens want to take complete control of the North. So we'll see if they're able to get it done. See what else you've got in there. Um, Kev says, can the Colts get enough quick pass rush to disrupt the Bucks' offense? I think that you've got to get interior pass rush, and I think that's what you're referring to. A-gap pressure is what bothers Tom Brady. Uh, you get in his feet where he can't step into it. That's a problem. You're not, not going to get him from the outside. He's just going to – he's got the blitz beaters in there, and he'll get rid of the football. But through the middle, getting it – getting rid of it, it's tougher, and particularly where he needs to get rid of it, need, where he needs to get rid of it. His hots – Sometimes tough to step through. So um, I think that's going to be tough for them to do. Here's the thing you got to do. You got to get a gap pressure against Brady, but at the same time, you've got to reroute the receivers off the line of scrimmage. So the answer is, can you get the quick pass rush enough to disrupt it? Not if you can't disrupt the receivers off the line of scrimmage at the same time. It is a, you got to do both thing. Do one of it won't be good enough. Do both of it. You got a chance. You're going to be interested to see. Covered a lot today. I really appreciate you joining us as I do uh, all the time, Kev and Greg and Jeff. And I can't tell you, I love all of you joining us. I, what an, what an honor and what a thrill to have, um, Aliquippa Bob joining us, um, you know, in the, in the chat room and Greg and, and, and Brandon, some of you that maybe are not with us all the time. I do so appreciate you joining us. we did it on a special time here. Uh, it just makes the show better to have the interaction with you. So bless you all for doing it. I want to wish you all a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy football this weekend. Um, should be a lot of fun. Enjoy your family. Um, I, um, I lost both of my parents in the month of November. And, um, and so things are not ever going to be the same. And I just want to remind everybody that I know a lot of times, um, <laughs> whether it's in-laws or the, um, the, the crazy uncle, which I am, you know, uh, it may come over or whatever you, you might say, oh, I got enough. I got to deal with that. Always remember that, um, you know, this may be the last time you get to tell them you love them or give them a hug or enjoy Thanksgiving with them. We, we, we all get older and some deal with health issues. Um, you, you just never know. So um, I know you guys have heard that. You don't need me to, to say it, but it's on my mind. So I just say, you know, um, uh, endure and appreciate what you have and the, 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 the blessings that we have. And that certainly at the forefront is our, um, our family and our friends, the dear friends that we spend time with during this holiday. So enjoy it. Uh, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again next time. So long, everybody. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at Chabacasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.